On this episode of Resi Week, Nortec has been purchased by a British VC firm. Screen Innovations is going after the commercial market as well as residential. And is control and automation for RVs a good market to be in? All that and more next on Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 23, recorded Tuesday, July 12th, 2016. Tailgate in style. Resi Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Draper. Hey, welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. Harry stops smirking. Um, I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, uh, for avnation.tv. Thanks for joining us. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First of all, Harry Mead. He is a freelance system engineer and system programmer, uh, and also in, lo- in search of a real commercial job. Hi, Harry. Hello. Yes, freelance is code for unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> but as we see, you will engineer for food. So, yeah, let's do that. Uh, and secondly, I'm uh, joined by my friend, my uh, my sort of kind of boss, maybe. Oh, you don't have a boss. Let's no, be I honest. Don't, but let's let's be nice and pretend that okay. you you are. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing I'll, uh, t- I'll say to Harry, yeah, my name is Tim, um, is in ra- when when I was in radio. Is it you taking over my show? Slightly. Um, we used to call it being on the beach. <laughs> so just refer to that. You're on the beach. I'm on the beach today. I'm on the beach. But anyways, that, that's that's Tim. He's the uh, president and founder of EV Nation, this, this good old thing that has brought us all together. So now that the warm and fuzzies are over, uh, let's jump right in to our first story, uh, this kind of made fairly big news uh, late last week. Uh, Nortec, it was sold again, uh, this time to a British investment company called Melrose. And the the key to this this story for me, sorry, this is on a strategy from our good friend Ted Green. Um, the key to this story and the line that got me was Melrose is an investment company that buys underperforming companies, improves their operations, and then resells them. Uh, they bought uh, Nortec for 86 bucks a share, 38% over the uh, the closing price back on July 5th. Um, Tim, you and I have talked about you know acquisitions, and, and mm-hmm. this has been all the rage uh, probably the last year, really, in both the commercial and the residential world. Um, one. This isn't an acquisition by a competitor or another company that uh, is is really active in the AV industry. This is another acquisition by uh, really a, a VC firm. What does this mean to to the industry and, and kind of by extension, what does it mean to Nortec? What does this do to their brands? I'm totally going to steal something that, that Josh Rago said on AV Week last week when we talked about a couple other um, acquisitions again by venture capital firms, by, by investment firms. This is the AV industry growing up and and realizing that oh yeah, we're part of the IT industry. Uh, mm-hmm. The reason he said that is because the IT industry has acquisitions from VC capital all the time, where they they will they'll purchase this company, they'll purchase that company, and and you'll you'll read about the big ones right where um, you know Facebook bought Instagram 
right, for some ungodly amount of number, or, you know, uh, Snapchat is being uh, valued at, at, again, billions of dollars. They're they're not selling, but, you know, these these are the high-profile ones. The Mm lower-profile ones you probably won't hear about because they're they're VC firms that are picking up – companies to make money you know that's what these folks do they they're they're groups of folks who put their money into a a, basically a company for the sole purpose of investing in other companies better you know making them better turning around them around and selling them off and they'll make a profit the av industry has now become part of the it industry where this is commonplace for us this hasn't been commonplace um, so, again, back to Josh's point, that's just another step in us becoming part of the of the IT industry. For for uh, for Nortec specifically, it's very interesting because uh, I, I was not under the impression that that Nortec was doing poorly. Um, you mentioned the fact that they were they gave a thirty eight percent premium uh, over the the closing price, um, and that's that's a high closing price in general. Yeah, eighty six bucks. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to no, you're fine. No, so 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 you know, Melrose seems to think that their problems probably aren't so insurmountable that the company's doomed. Um, their 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 slogan, Melrose's slogan, is "Buy, improve, sell." So we all know what's going to happen. We all know the the kind of the the trail that Melrose is going to go down. They're going to improve some things. They're probably going to cut some staff. They're going to try, streamline their, their operations, uh, and then they're going to turn around and sell them. What, but the end of that story that was going to be interesting is, is the interesting part is who they're going to sell it to. Well, of course. But part of my question is when they say that they're going to improve operations and cut staff, what does they that mean? They say that. No, no, no. But that's – come on. When they say that they buy, they improve, and then they sell. Yeah. People you don't improve lose jobs. with lofty goals and, and, and hugs. You improve by cutting dead weight and increasing uh, productivity. So, Harry <sighs> – what is this going to do to dealers? Mm. Will, will, and, and this is a question I've had for all of these acquisitions where a VC is involved. Most often when you when you follow the tech world and, and a, a VC comes in and buys a company, they either strip it down and sell the parts. So in this case, you know, selling off Speakercraft or, or, or whoever of whatever brand of Nortech they want to that they view as most profitable. Or they're slashing within the offices. Is this something that dealers are going to see? Is this something that's going to affect dealers? Is this something where you're going to see, you know, half the dealer base of delivery, uh, you know, just completely destroyed? Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of when AMX first got into this VC game of oh, those many years ago. Um, and yeah, it did affect the dealer base. Um, because suddenly they wanted to cut down on dealer. Yeah. They wanted to, uh, they, they wanted to get rid of the little guys that only bought a few pieces in favor of all of the big guys that were, uh, that were selling most of their money or selling most of their product. Um, and I was working for one of those little guys and they started putting in all kinds of onerous stuff of you have to pay for a yearly fee to, in order to get tech support. Thousand bucks. To, yeah. You have to um, sell a certain, if you sell a certain amount, you don't have to pay the thousand dollars, but the certain amount was like half our gross revenue and <laughs> half our gross revenue was, well, and that's, and, and that was another thing that, that kind of 
going off slightly into a tangent on uh, on dealer side, we would have de- we would have people come in, manufacturers come in and say, "Hey, we want to we we really like to see you guys bump like twenty five percent on on our on our numbers," and we're like, "Okay, well that's cool. You make switchers, <laughs> so that means." that we have to bump our entire gross revenue 25% in order to get you a 25% up because we can't put two switchers in a system just because. And no, just so, build it in as redundancy. Redundancy here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that flies. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so going back to the, the, the AMX side of things, so yeah, it did hurt dealers some. You you got, um, we were lucky enough that we managed to keep most of our inside sales guys that we talked to. Mm-hmm. Um, they stayed there and we talked to them still, but there was definitely changes. There was definitely uh, definitely things that did not bode well for small dealers, and it all depends on what the VCs definition of small dealer is and and real quickly on on back to harry's point about the what amx was trying to do way back in the day with with the basically was a tech plan or or it was i guess their their idea their early on with service plans it was a thousand dollars a year for um integrators who didn't meet a certain level it was a thousand dollars a year for technology managers because this was back when i was a technology manager still for college we had a handful of amx products and if we wanted any sort of tech support we had to pay a thousand dollar fee a year. Um, one word of warning to Nortech or to Melrose: um, AMX's biggest competitors used that very thing as one of the sticking points and one of the selling points against them, oh, and yeah. it worked. <laughs> well, and the the only thing I'll say to that though is, as much as I don't like that concept of of paying to play. I like that concept a whole lot more than just being flat out told you can't have something. Mm. You can't have access to something. Because and, and I've railed on this since since the day you've met me probably, Tim. Most likely. We're because of where I am geographically, we're stuck with a lot of situations where we can't get product because so and so has it. Or and, and or for clarification territorial for clarification, you're in Canada and you're in London, Ontario. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. No, no, I'm just. I, no. I didn't want people to think you're, you know, in, you know, somewhere normal. And his I said normal, but is so, wow. I, I said normal. I didn't mean to say normal, you, but you totally did. You meant to you say were, so. <laughs> so. You were, you were, you were somewhere in in the U.S. You're not. You are a Canadian no, property, yeah. and and no, most in, companies treat you as international. Yes, that's very true. But it, it's you know, and this is something that I'm I'm in the middle of a um, a, a blog on. I had a meeting with a, a rep uh, for a, one of our one of our main lines um, just last week, and sat down and had this whole conversation with my my new rep, which was the fourth rep in the last two years, um, which is always fun. Uh, you know, just talking about how you know we're not selling enough and we need to sell more and more and more and more and more. And I'm like, that's fine, but you know, we're selling what we're selling because that's what our clients are asking for right now. And the response was, well, you know, if you don't, if you don't sell some more, we might have to cut you. And it was that conversation of, okay, so let me get this straight. You're wanting to cut us because we're not selling enough based on your records. When we've had 
last year one of our best years selling your product ever. But now all of a sudden we're not meeting whatever stipulation you think we should have. This goes part and parcel with uh, with the Nortec deal of you'll see, and again, this is all kind of uh, conjecture and, and speculation, but theoretically, if they do what normally happens in these situations, you're going to have a lot of, you know, speaker craft dealers that all of a sudden can't sell speaker craft anymore. You're going to have Niles dealers or Elan dealers that all of a sudden won't have that product line and they'll be, you know, rushing to find something else and Jeremy will get a bunch of his uh, his dealers back. <laughs> um, but moving on, and, and this is something that we don't have an article for, but I just wanted to touch on it real briefly um, because I, I know you talked about it uh, on on AV Week on Friday, um, but Avid was just sold again from Ingram Micro to a, a Chinese powerhouse that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. Did you did you get it right for AV Week, Tim? No, absolutely not. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Um, this is another, in my opinion, especially for the resi world, this has much greater implications in the residential world than it does in the commercial AV world. Um, I'm very intrigued to see what happens. I know, again, being in Canada, we dealt with, uh, or we've dealt with Avid for years, um, but the way Avid was in Canada was different than it was in the U.S. And especially once it got bought by Ingram, things changed again. I'm very intrigued to see to see what happens in that realm. So that's that's something to watch. But moving on, now that we've we've talked about buying things, um, let's talk about one of my favorite things, which is college football. <laughs> you want to know how we're talking about college football? Well, CE Pro has a wonderful article about motorhomes and RVs being an untapped market for home automation. Uh, and throughout this article, they're uh, they're talking about a control for system and a bunch of stuff that turns this otherwise pedestrian uh, six-figure <laughs> uh, motorhome into a fantastic tailgate party zone. Uh, outside of the fact that it's Auburn, I'd be all over this, um, Harry. And, and I know you're you know kind of new to the resi world the last couple of years as you've been you know, moonlighting and doing some freelance stuff. Um, this this article really caught my attention because we're, even though I'm in Canada, uh, we're really big proponents of Michigan football here. Big Ten football is uh, kind of a huge deal. Um, and I've been to both Michigan State and University of Michigan, and they tailgate fairly well. It's pretty serious stuff. Um not that this is just for, for tailgating, but do you see some validity to this statement uh, that integrators can kind of tap this, just like you know some of the, the boating communities are, are tapped for integrators who can kind of specialize in uh, you know yachting and, and marine installations. Is this one of those things that people have kind of just overlooked? Um, it's possible. Um, I have my reservations about like a, an RV type uh, situation. Um, Is that just because the Go RVing commercials aren't pulling you in? No, <laughs> although that's not helping. Um, <laughs> no, but what uh, my my reservations about it are? It's going over the road, first of all. So from a dealer perspective, 
these guys are going to be driving on roads and driving over gravel and driving over everything else, and stuff's going to get jostled around and beat up, even if it's inside the RV. Um, so to me, that might increase service calls, and with the more 24-7 nature of, of Resi, um, then you've got service calls out I'm in Yellowstone and my system doesn't work. Yeah, but hold on though. Is that is that a bad thing? Like, and keep in mind, just like just like a marine installation, most owners have an idea what they're getting into when they're spending significant income uh, or disposable income on an AV system for their yacht or their motorhome. Tim, is like is that? a big enough drawback to hinder a, a residential firm jumping into this market? You made a really good analogy there and a, and a really good um, equation between marine and RV. That's because that's I'm smart. That's because you're smart, yes. Um, <laughs> because up until that time, I, I was, I was kind of like, okay. It's my show. I can pretend I'm smart. Absolutely. It's, it's okay. It's, it's, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with the exception of a handful of folks, and I don't know the percentage, so don't yell at me, most people don't live on their yachts right the, the yacht is a is a luxury vehicle it's 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 it's, mm-hmm. it's you know it, it, expendable income same with rvs right most people don't live in rvs yes you know, there are some people who do but it is something it's it's a, it's a luxury item for a lot of folks and so that's a really good equation between the marine market and the rv market um i think using that equation though i would say it's a, it's a pretty decent market for it and i don't know that you know, Harry's analogy aside, I, I don't think that that they're necessarily going to be expecting um, you to to support it in Yellowstone, right? Just like you wouldn't expect support in the middle of the Atlantic if you were if you were taking your yacht from one place to another. Well, you just got to make sure your service contract is on point. Well, yeah. first class flights, helicopter to the boat or to the bus, you know. <laughs> See, I guess my only concern with it from a, a business model standpoint is, you know, even when you look at the luxury home market, you know, for for my local region here, if you wanted to say that the entry point to that was a million plus, that percentage of homes across the board is still going to be maybe the 10 to 15% of homes are going to be at least a million plus. So they would be in that luxury segment. Now, you still have to sell whatever percentage of that segment you want for it to be an affordable business model for you. But when I think of RVs, I, I think of one or, one or two things. I think of somebody who has a really, really old one that's rusting away and they take it to little campgrounds and stuff, which, hey, whatever, whatever makes you happy. And then I think of a couple people who have luxury liners like this one. Um, that, that they're showing, but that's a handful of people. And, and I, our city's 400,000. I would have to say, and I, I probably should call our, one of our local RV dealers just out of curiosity now, but I'd have to say that there's maybe a hundred of them in our entire region, whether they're luxury or not. It becomes a really, really small market unless you're in a, in an area or a, a city where this would be, 
predominantly used, I, I don't see, I just don't see the, the dollars of sense of focusing marketing dollars, if you will. Although, you put one in your local RV uh, showroom, outfit one up for them. Partner with them. Partner with them. Yep. It could be a very, very nice little, you know, side vertical for you. Uh, it, but it's incre- it's it's interesting. Well, one thing, real quick. I one of my one of my early on Crestron classes I was in uh, for programming. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in with with a, a gentleman um, that that was their entire business. Their entire business model was marine. I, I just yeah. and I found it fascinating. I sat next right next to the guy and and just I mean every story he would tell about this and, and just the things that you have to do. The same the same limitations and, and some of the same customization you would have to do in the RV and the camper market where whether it's um, finding unique places for racks or finding mm-hmm. unique places for equipment, maybe not even yep. having the room for racks themselves. But And this actually goes back to um, huddle spaces and, and flex rooms where there's a lot of products that are being built um, for those spaces, um, whether it's behind the display um, rack uh, installation kits or, or um, other ways to hide equipment without the you know the ever present rack somewhere the same thing with with this with this market as well you would have to find places to, to hide equipment and place them in, in unique uh, unique places one again that that just hits back to the whole before you start jumping down this road of all these cool little niche markets to get into it's not something you can just jump into there's a lot of thought um, by extension I've got I got a client who a commercial client and they own a jet and yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, but having conversations with, uh, their, their VP on things they have to do when they're looking at adding something new to the jet, to the jet interior, uh, not avionics, but you know, like new, new pillows. They can't just theoretically put a pillow, a throw pillow on the plane because it has to, there's, Weight weight limitations and stuff? Yeah, just all kinds of weird little things that there's FAA regulations on everything inside a plane. It could become a projectile very easily. Yeah. Like, it's it's just, you know, and I, I, when they bought their, they upgraded a couple years ago, and I asked him about the different, you know, if they put tech in and all this other stuff, just because I'm curious, and he's like, no, it came with this, this, and this, but the cost to add an additional flat screen, like a 27-inch flat screen, was like $40,000. Holy cow. Because of, well, and again, because you're, you're ripping part of the interior apart to wire to that point, to, to tie it. Like, it, it just, now, until you start talking planes and RVs and boats, that's a whole different dollars and cents point of view. Yeah. Like, when you look at this photo, a lot of this stuff is sitting in, n- none of it seems to be inside the inside the RV. Right, it's all housed in the storage units below. That that changes things. When you start getting into the interiors of stuff like this, it gets quite expensive. Um, and again, cool stuff, but just yeah, you got to plan that. You got to plan those expenses out. <laughs> yeah, and the way that the, the way that RVs are put together, I mean, everything has a little. They've already taken a lot of the little spaces that. Yeah. Uh, that you can use for stuff. So yeah, I, there's going to be a very limited space of being able where you can put stuff. But if you are an integrator who's working in RVs, shoot us a, drop us a line or something because I, 
I find it very fascinating. It'd be very cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but moving on, otherwise we'll talk about buses and boats and planes all day. Um, this comes to us from Residential Systems. Uh, it's about a, a line that's quite, I don't want to say dominant, but but one of the big players in projection surfaces. Uh, Screen Innovations is moving out and, and reaching out to the commercial market. Uh, most people know SI specifically from their, their Black Diamond products and their, their black uh, projection surfaces, which as a, as a dealer, full disclosure, I can say they're fantastic and you should buy some. Um, Harry, as, a, as somebody who normally specializes in commercial markets, what does this mean to you? Is, is, this, is this just another uh, screen manufacturer jumping and starting to spend more, more advertising dollars and more focus, uh, time focused on the commercial market? Or is this fitting a niche that, that maybe wasn't already serviced very well? Um, I think in some ways it, uh, it definitely services a niche that, uh, that, that isn't being serviced by the big two right now as much. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, I've seen them every year at Infocom and, uh, and so I'm kind of curious how much more they're going to spend on commercial because they actually, they have a pretty decent sized booth normally at uh at infocom they were right down the street from daylight this past year if i remember correctly so uh um but yeah i i like their stuff i haven't had a chance to really put it in anything yet um maybe in the next company harry.l.me <laughs> i'll get a chance to uh to use it and see what uh see what we can come up with tim you know, obviously they have they have the full plethora of options from from white to gray to black to mm -hmm. slate uh, to black diamond. Um, they've also got some cool stuff that the big guys maybe don't have or, or definitely don't focus on as much, like their black diamond film, which we've 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 personally spec this a couple of times into some of our projects, and it's a it's like a window tint that you put on your car, and you 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 apply it over any sort of glass or plexiglass surface, whether it's curved or, or straight, flat, whatever, um, and it gives you a full-on, you know, reasonably high-quality gain um, screen upon a glass surface that then can be you know tinted to match, and it, it can essentially become like a seamless product that lets you project onto glass. Is that more what you see? You know, you, commercial dealers or standard commercial guys looking at them for as, as a standard, or I'm sorry, not a standard, but a, a unique application approach. Because yeah. I, I don't think black screens are going to make a huge dent into the corporate boardroom market. Not necessarily, but it's 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 the unique. I mean, the 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 picture that they have in residential systems is is a, a game show, right, with a curved screen, and and mm -hmm. um, it, it's those installations. Um, you know, it, but yeah, Harry mentioned uh, daylight and Draper. Um, I see the I, name. I was being no, nice. no, I don't. They're both they're both underwriters. I'll, I'll mention them both. Um, but um, <laughs> the uh, I don't see them going after them. I see them going after uh, our uh, Stewart's film screen, right? Yeah. Um, Stuart Film Screen is, has got you know the higher end commercial um, curve screens and, and the glass and, and this that and the other actual actual glass you can you can project on. Um, I don't see um, 
screen innovations going after the education market. I see them going after the higher-end bespoke screen uh, screen market where you have a custom set you have a custom installation you have a custom situation whether it's a talk show host or a talk show set or or, or mm-hmm. uh, what have you um and going after that um you know they're in the residential market si screens are not cheap you know by any stretch no, of the imagination they they're um they, they are a i would qualify them as a as a luxury screen option or a high-end screen option. Um, they're, they're definitely positioned as a luxury premium yeah. product, and they do some cool um, things. I mean, the the one of our, our friends uh, um, here is they've got not here, but one of our, our friends in the industry has has an SI that has the the color changing edges, yeah, right? So as you're the watching, black diamond, yeah, uh, zero edge, zero edge, the LED kit. Um, and as you're watching a movie, the, the the movie he showed me with was was Iron Man, and when Iron Man comes on the screen, the the edges go red. Right and, and, and cool stuff like that, mm-hmm. stuff that you don't necessarily need in a, in a boardroom, but holy cow, would it be great for a uh, a marquee um, piece? Whether it's the entrance way to uh, to your corporate offices, or it's you know a, a a a show set of some sort, I could see them going after that. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting move to continue to push into that market, but they do they they really have. And they've had for a couple of years now um, some specific products that are, you know, really not for the residential market. And, you know, as we've been a dealer for a couple of years, but watching them kind of progress into this has been has been quite big. Um, quite a big deal to see them see it happen like that. Uh, moving on, and this will be our, our last story, and we'll wrap up real quick, and we'll try and find Harry a job. Um, security... CEU.com has is now offering its uh, training coursework to CD members. Uh, so they have been providing licensing and compliance, certification, and all that fun stuff to security, life safety, fire, all that fun stuff uh, for, for quite a few years. And now it's available through Cedia. Uh, so this is, you know, I see this as nothing but a good thing because we have more and more dealers that are uh, you know, in the resi world that are expanding into and, and continue to add more and more security and IP video and, you know, they're they're managing the networks and the like. Um, this is something that's going to offer uh, or just expand the, the, the education offerings that, that Cedia has. Um, I don't see any, any, any downside to this at all, other than, you know, some dealers may not take advantage of it. Uh, Harry, you like this? This make you happy? More learning? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the more learning you can get in, the better. And uh, the fact that they're they're pairing through uh, Cedia um, is going to open up the uh, resi market to more uh, to more certifications, more uh, after learning, so to speak, um, and be able to get uh, um, be able to because. The more educated all the dealers and everyone installing is, the better it goes. The better it is yeah. for everyone. Well, and, and Tim, this is you know this is something that we've kind of watched as as we continue to get more involved in the Cedia channel from Aviation and whatnot. Um, there definitely seems to be. I'm not sure if it's if it's accurate, but there seems to be a perception that there are more required certifications from you know say Infocom. Uh, than there are for for the CDA channel, and and again, I 
I see this as just an extension of their commitment to educating their dealer base. I, I, I would I would disagree with you a little bit. I don't think the certifications for Infocom are required. Uh, well, no, they it, do. There are these. Yeah, they do a really good job of of strongly encouraging you to get your CTS, get your CTSD, get your CTSI. Well, um, and what I was getting at was that on most residential jobs that you come across or, or that you're bidding on, you don't need a certification for anything. Whereas there's a large swath of commercial projects yes. that require certification. Require certification. They're they're getting the Apex certification in there as a requirement as well. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think one thing is is as um, um, our aviation's web architect is is want to say uh, more security is never a bad thing, right? Never. So never. you know, as as the the industry and the FCC and the government decides what to do with security and what to do with net neutrality, having your home more secure is never a bad thing. So yeah, I think I think having residential folks you know learn about this, you know, it wouldn't be it actually wouldn't hurt. Some uh, some Infocom folks and, and the commercial folks to to either take the class or have Infocom partner with these guys as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, that's uh, all the stories that we have, unless you guys have something else. Um, but I want to thank you both for being here, Tim. You were you were stuck with me anyways. But yes. Harry, thanks for jumping on last minute. I appreciate it. Um, just quick, we were we were supposed to have one of one of my other good friends, uh, Stephen Bronner, was supposed to be on with us. Uh, unfortunately, he he lost his sister over the weekend. So thoughts and prayers out to him, and we'll get him on next week. Um, but that's it, Harry. Where can people find you? Uh, locate you online? Where can they send you job offers? Well, as I told Tim on uh, on Friday, <laughs> currently you can find me under the Second Street overpass with my sign. <laughs> Is that in Baltimore or DC? Uh, this is Baltimore. Okay, I'm trying to stay right. a little Just checking. Center. <laughs> um, willing to commute to DC, but it takes a little while. Um, now the, uh, I am on Twitter at AV Grump. Um, I've been relatively quiet on Twitter recently and it's been killing me, but I'm looking for a job and I'm not dumb. Um, <laughs> if, uh, if someone in the Baltimore DC area, uh, needs a design engineer, usually on the commercial side, harry.l.mead at gmail.com. That was a very nice Vanahan. I liked it. Tim, thanks for being here. No problem, uh, thanks for producing and making making me look good. Um, where can people find you? I know you hate to plug yourself, so I do. if you don't, I will. Uh, I'll do it. Um, Twitter, if you if you do the Twitter thing, it's uh, TD, Tim David Albright, A-L-B-R-I-G-H-T. Uh, but also, obviously, aviation.tv. Definitely. And, of course, uh, myself, you can always find me uh, online at Matt D. Scott on Twitter uh, and pretty much every other social platform out there. But more importantly, please stop by the website, aviation.tv, that Tim just kind of plugged for us. Uh, you'll find this show, past episodes of this show, as well as a host of other shows because we got a lot. We, we cover a wide variety of topics and, and industry verticals. Uh, and you can you can learn an awful lot about watching our shows, uh, especially when I'm not on them. You don't learn a ton. Uh, so please visit aviation.tv. You can follow us on Twitter at aviation.tv. Uh, and that's all the time we have for this week in Resi Week. See you next week. Oh, 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 o